Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. We are grateful. We thank you, Father, for the privilege we have to be in this house. We thank you, Father, for the word that is going to be taught, that yes, is prepared, but Lord, we know that you speak. May you touch us. May you move in our hearts. May you change our concept of life and family. Lord, may you help us to live a victorious life. Your word says, Lord, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is your intent that every family should be at peace. I pray, Father, for the peace of God that surpasses understanding to rest with this, your people, that, Lord, may you still every storm in their life, Father, at work, Lord, in their own homes, Lord, in their relationship with others, I pray for the peace of God. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we are with you, and, Father, we thank you that, Father, suffering is part of the cross of Christ. Lord, we do not renege when we suffer for the cross. We receive it in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. We are, this week, tonight, we have praise night, and uh, it's the last uh, Sunday for family. We're supposed to have a, a conference this weekend, but uh, the way things happened, uh, we had to move it back uh, due to unforeseen circumstances. We will talk about it one day uh, for you to understand. It's always good uh, to be in church. Hallelujah. It's always good to love the Lord. It's always good to suffer for the cross. We are teaching on the families. Our last teaching for today, uh, this is the last Sunday that we teach on family, but we have a family conference starting next week, Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday. I can give you a, a course outline. It's one of the most greatest, I think, conference that we will ever have done. The topics that we are treating is not the same. And we are literally looking into your daily, everyday life. How can you effectively love and serve the Lord while you live among a decaying society, pressure, and all the things that are given to us? May the Lord have mercy. Okay, so our topic today is family, the testament or the covenant of marriage. The testament or the covenant of marriage. And uh, when we talk about a covenant, we are talking about how to make your relationship not cohabitation, not masculine. Because sometimes, due to the kind of life we live, most of the people uh, take masculine and they'll say, oh, this is my husband. I remember many years ago, I was talking to one elderly person, a very close relative, and uh, he was talking about the boyfriend of, of his son, and he, was, he said, Mosad, you are high. And I said, you know, uh, it's a very wrong way of saying it. And we, we literally collided because I said, you are not helping the situation, you are making it worse. Do you understand? So let me come back to the original statement that I always make. Every time a woman gets into a relationship, she's on the losing side. I will repeat it again. The day you say yes to a boy, you should know that there is a 99.9% that you are going to be the one who's going to lose. The boy can walk away and you might remain with a lot of tears and pain because of the experiences that you might have in a relationship. The power and the grace that God has given to a woman, unfortunately most women do not understand, that immediately you get into a relationship, there is a benefit that you can manage and control the relationship. Most women could be married today, but they don't know how to manage themselves 
how to carry themselves. And therefore, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Therefore, they become victims of their own action. And so we'll try even next week to address that to bring it into the open so that you know that every time women get into a relationship, if the relationship has no solidness, a good foundation, most of the time women get hurt. So we're talking about a successful marriage. What, one part that I could say is that I've been married for almost 30 years. I'm turning 30 this year. So to some extent, I think I can tell some people what to do. And if you take from my leave, uh, you will not do the mistakes that most people make and the ones that I've made. And uh, you will possibly do better. One of the things that we teach as well, we say experience is a bad teacher. Can you say experience is a bad teacher? You see, we, the good example that we use is a candle. When we have put the candle on and we say to the child, uh, don't touch the candle. And the child wants to touch the candle. That experience is good for the child to, for the child to know fire is something not to play with. But most of the time, even if you tell people this is a fire that you don't need to play with, they will tell you, I can manage, I can manage the fire. I can tell you anybody, I can manage the fire. <laughs> yeah, sexual passion and love is a fire that can get out of control. And most of the time, people take, I can manage the feelings and the emotions I have. And I say very few people have, have been able to do so. And therefore, my encouragement is we need to allow God to work in us so that we are able to make a good sense of ourselves. A good marriage is based on a good relationship that will help you to stand the storms of life. Life has got its own storms. There are a lot of things that people go through. At the age of my, at the stage that I am in, in my life, I've experienced so many things that I can be able to tell you, a young pastor might not be able to tell you because he will not have experienced ministry the way I've experienced. I've had ministry in the village or in a township, and I've had a ministry as well in the city. One of our fathers was saying to me, how you survive in the city with the students that sometimes they are in and sometimes they are out. You, you can come to church and they say the schools are closed, there is few people, and you have been doing this for so many years, and it doesn't affect you. Because he said, I tried to start the church in town. That thing I could not take, so I closed my church. So you have to understand that there are storms even in, in marriage. There are storms even in life. Your life must be based and rooted in the scripture. If you intend to get married, your life will be, should be rooted in scripture. One of the topics we teach during the family conference, uh, we are teaching about celibacy. How to keep your vessel, how to keep your body pure in the midst of challenges and how should you make the decision? I know a few people who have made the decision, I don't want to get married. So, uh, it's a very good decision. It's a powerful decision. Not everybody will be married and not everybody wants to marry. So, sometimes if you pray for people, you might be praying for your own person that has already made a vow of celibacy to say, I'm, I want to be a eunuch in the house of God. And we'll teach about it. But here, your life has to be grounded and rooted in the scriptures. God started marriage. So have the understanding that marriage cannot operate outside God. I can tell you about people who are running their marriages. Some of them are our parents. 
and God was not the central focus. The pain, the hurt, the resentment, the bitterness, the anger they carry within themselves because of the amount and the level of betrayal, the amount of relationships, the children that were born in and outside wedlock. You look into that and you realize how painful people are going through. And because some people don't have options, they stayed in a relationship not because it's a choice, but they stayed in the relationship because they are stuck in it. So intent here is for you not to get stuck, but to enjoy the privilege of sharing your life with somebody who is mature. There is something that we teach on emotional maturity. Most people have gone to school, but they are not emotionally matured. And how they tackle or deal with things shows exactly how immature, selfish, childish they have become because everything revolves around their life. So we understand that marriage was started by God. God formed it for our good and God built it or created scripture to support the marriage. If we run it according to the word, we will definitely enjoy ourselves. The Bible starts with marriage in the book of Genesis and in Revelation, we are waiting for Jesus who's coming to take us. The Bible talks about the big, from chapter 19, talks about the big wedding that is coming, that Jesus is going to take the church and will be one with him. So it seems in heaven, the main theme in heaven is marriage. It's a relationship that is perpetual, that is never ending, a relationship that evolves every time. There is a song we sing uh, that uh, he takes me here from this level and he takes me to the next level. Every relationship must move you from the lower you to the better you. Any relationship that makes you bitter, any relationship that makes you to have resentment, every relationship that annoys you, you should know that possibly God is not in it or it's not properly tuned. Like a radio that you tune and you can receive clear signal and therefore you are receiving the message. You can be in a good relationship. You might be married to a good person, but you don't flow because the two of you have not taken time to really tune yourself to make sure that you flow. May the Lord have mercy on us. Ephesians chapter 5, 32, uh, I'm reading, says, this is a great mystery. Marriage is a great mystery. It says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So you have to understand that to marry, you are entering into something far supernatural, something that is a secret, something that is hidden, something that explains and gives a revelation of who God is. Because the Bible here, Paul writes, and he says, I speak concerning Christ and the church. So marriage has been formed to copy the relationship between Christ and the church. Hallelujah. So this mystery that we talk about is a secret that can be learned. The secret that can be learned. Over a period of 30 years, I've learned this secret, and there's still a lot for me to learn. One of our teachers, a mentor, uh, when his wife passed away, they were 54 years married. And one day we were sitting in their lounge. I was with my wife, and some of their children were sitting there, all of them married. And uh, uh, me, the wife said to us, uh, you know, will you like to have anything to drink? I mean, my wife is used to the house. 
They usually stand, make the tea, coffee, whatever, and bring everything. But that day, I don't know what happened. It was a very good illustration to us. Uh, it, is, it is daddy who said, to, who said to, to mommy, you know, can you make us something to drink? And she stood up. And I remember when my wife and daughter wanted to go and help. And she says, no, but I can sit down. And uh, she started working. And the kitchen is just across. And he, she started talking to us. Says, you do not understand how your father enjoys my tea. I don't know you get it. Everybody can make the tea. But in this regard, because he asked for tea, not Coca-Cola, which is pre-prepared. He says, um, you, you do not know how much he enjoys my tea. Don't you think it's a nice thing? Old. I'm talking about old. I'm not talking after 54 years. Old. About 80. I think she was about 80, 82, 83. Old. Old. Just, you don't know how much. And I, I, when we left with my wife, we looked at it and we said, this is a symbol of the church. Here's a woman who represents the body of Christ, who's willing to serve and knows that the Lord, the master, desires. This is what Jesus desires of my life, that I keep it pure, that I, I, I live a, a, a life that is sexually pure, a life that has no gossips in it, a life that honors other people and, and so forth. So we looked at it, I mean, it was a display. Even to her, it was just a talk. It's something that I will forever cherish. And that helped my wife to see how important it is to really enjoy the company of each other. Not only when you are the two of you, but in the company of others. Saving one another without malice, without uh, anger or frustration. And this, I want to pass it to you that marriage is a mystery. And as we lay down our life like Christ did for the body, in other words, the husband dies. Uh, to his own needs, and the wife dies to her own needs. And the two are working together to fulfill the greatest dream the father ever had, to create an environment that no man should be lost, but everyone should make heaven. May the Lord have mercy on us. So the mystery can be learned. In the church, we say no one, we will, we will never marry anyone who doesn't go through counseling. I've had a lot of stops with strong-willed persons. They will come and say, I want to get married. And you say, come for counseling. They refuse to come for counseling. I remember one time when we were asking people to go for HIV and test, and the guy says, I will not go. I said to the girl, this guy, you don't know where, I mean, where he has been, what he has done. And the guy says, no. And when you say, we will not marry you because of the attitude you carry, you don't want to come to counseling, you want to do your own thing, go and do it. Go to the magistrate, let him sign you. Praise the Lord. May the Lord have mercy on us. So we can learn the mystery that is hidden. As Paul says, I'm writing about Christ and the church. So marriage is about Christ and the church. If as a woman, where's my daughter? Got the, maybe she's with the children the other side. As a woman, if she's not willing to submit herself, to her husband is a wasted cause. Marriage is not about your rights, Sister Iris. If it was like that, nobody will be married. Every, if, if everybody stands on their rights, you 
you, you, you stand on your right. You are not going to cooperate. You will be lonely. You will be an old, lonely person. You will be very lonely. You will be by yourself looking through the window, wishing you had a life that is different. I'm telling you the truth. Is that sometimes we don't do ourselves a favor? Ask your aunt, your grandmother who never married. Ask them. Ask them to say, if there is anything that you regret. It's not like nobody loved them. There's somebody who came and said, hey, beautiful thing. And she responded. But at the time, she was much stronger. She had better things. When, next week, as we teach, one part that I'm saying to the young women, I say, tick the boxes. Don't be deceived by what you see with your eye. Most women, they marry by eyesight. You are deceived. If you marry by eyesight, the boxes are not ticked. You will be shocked the day after a couple of years that, you know, I should not have been in this relationship. But like we have said, there's never a wrong partner. You are the one who makes the choice. Can you tell your neighbor, ketile, ketile. Marriage fails because people relate marriage to celebration. Can you tell the young woman sitting next to you that marriage is not the wedding day? Listen, listen. I try and explain it. The day I got married, the suit I never bought, I asked for the suit. The dress we never bought, we asked for the dress. They were borrowed. That's it. The food, my uncle bought it. How much did I contribute? Almost zero. How much lobola did I pay? Nothing. No, it's true. You don't have faith. I have faith. I, we gave money, but they said to my parents, you don't have to pay anything. Whatever you want to give, if you have a gift, you can give. So I've given my parents about three times my salary at the time. Three salaries. That's what I gave to them, my parents. And they took all my money and gave it away. And I said to them, you should have just given them a thousand. You could have been nice. I don't know if you get it. But they were generous because they were not charged. So this is why I say, I, you can't tell me. I was talking to one of our young guys. I said, at your age, you're supposed to be married. Since I don't have money, I say marriage has never been about money. You can ask your mother or your grandmother, Lobola is never paid at once at the same time. You just go and say, I want to marry. There's no parents who don't want their children to be married. So don't make the mistake that, oh, there must be, there must be this, there must be that, there must be an helicopter, there must be five Mercedes Benzes following each other. I must have a gold, I must have a ring with such a big stone that you must have somebody to help to pick up your hand. You know, just to go around to show your merits. These are foolish things that people are thinking. The first, every time you do counseling, the first thing that the people do, the girl wants to go first to the jewelry store. I still tell people, jewelry store is the last thing I do. This thing is less than 200 rand. It has got scriptures written in it. Your ring that is expensive has no, no scripture. Mine, it, is, it reminds me, it reminds me of my love and commitment first to myself, Secondly, to my wife, but thirdly, a commitment to my children, and guess what? A commitment to you. 
that I will keep myself pure and circumspect, not only for my own good, but for the good of every person who might be watching my life. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Hallelujah. Can you tell you, but celebration is not the wedding. Sorry, celebration is not, it's not marriage. Can you say it? Celebration is not marriage. I can tell you story after story of powerful celebration that extended in disaster. In one week, five days. One week, seven days. In seven days, there was no more marriage. I was told the story recently. The pastor said, this guy, couple flew from here to Devon. When they arrived in Devon, they went to the hotel. The girl picked up the phone. and said, I'm out. He says, have you submitted the papers? He says, it was Monday. Have you submitted the papers? When they landed at the airport. Have you submitted? The pastor says, he says, don't submit them. No marriage. I'm coming back home. That was it. I know somebody who was flying, going far. They, they plan everything. The first thing, they book the hotel, they book the, the island, they book this, they book that. Listen, if marriage was that easy, everybody will do it. It's not how much flash you show. May the Lord have mercy. So the wedding is not, it's, it's, a, it's an important part. We need to celebrate, of course. It's an important part, but it's not necessary. Can you tell your neighbor? It's an important part, but it's not necessary. It's not how you start. Don't forget. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Starting, everybody can start. If I tell you, my friends, how they got married, we will make mockery. We will joke. We are by way when people are talking. I remember one pastor. I heard him talking. He says, you see, this kind of marriages. You know, my, I, my wife comes from uh, six, 600 kilometers from here. And uh, we, were, we met in Mapike, which is 300 kilometers from my place, 300 kilometers from my place. After I paid global and everything, the parents were married. And we said, we are going to do a celebration in the church. Both of our parents, they say, you do it. And when the day came, they said, it's, it's for you. We are not coming. So because my parents were not there, we were already married. It was just a celebration. Can you tell anybody? It's just a celebration. Yes. Don't be deceived by the pomp. The pomp should not deceive you. It's not, it's not the celebration. It's good, but it's not the true foundation of what marriage will be. We wish the end will be like the beginning. In other words, this splendor of beauty should be what we carry in our relationship. And that's my prayer for every couple that gets married. People prepare, invest, and borrow for one day. They spend all the expenses they have and forgetting the eternity they have together. Fools plan for everything, for, the, for, for everything possible to make the celebration. Fools plan for the wedding and the happiness for that day than the commitment to each other for life. Family and friends do everything possible to make the celebration, and that is all their contribution. In other words, the, the parents will take all their savings, life savings, and look at the celebration and think, oh, this is it. 
And from there, they never contribute again in the life of their children. Then when things don't work, the, the easiest thing is to say the children are bewitched. There's something, the neighbor or somebody's jealous. Nobody's jealous. This is a mystery. You need to work on it. Am I talking to somebody? It takes more than a white dress and the crown and the crowd to make a successful marriage. It is not the glitter and the pomp that makes a godly marriage. It is, it is not the crowd that has come that makes the success of the marriage. No, 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 no. no. It's the humility that the two will have to serve one another that will make the marriage a success. May the Lord have mercy. Most married couples are hating, even though some of them are here. Most married couples are what? Are hating. They are disappointed. They are disappointed. Unfortunately, most are pretenders. You know, pretense. Pretense will come dressed in the same way and walk hand in hand to deceive ourselves, to deceive others. May the Lord have mercy on us. Can you tell your neighbor, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not an actor. Marriage is a covenant and a testament. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. And this is the second thing that you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, with crying. So he does not regard the offerings anymore. This is prayers that people make. They come before God, they lift up their hands, they speak all these things. I always love how people become spiritual when certain things are happening in their life. When they buy a car, they become spiritual, they buy a house, they become, oh, God has blessed me. And yet, the way we, we got hold of the things we have, have nothing to do with God. If they had everything to do with God, uh, we would, it would have taken us a little bit of a time. But sometimes, that's, that's the thing. We relate. If, 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 if I'm getting married, I can make a scam. What is a scam? It's a scam to others as if you have a license. You are the only one who God can hear. You know, I prayed. I remember one young woman, you know, she got healed of AIDS here in the church. And we prayed. We, I mean, it was a, a, a major project. We prayed and we finished. And then one day, she decided, I'm going to do a testimony. Usually, I insist, you must get all the papers. You must get first test, second test, third test. Not the, the, the blood drip. You remember, there is this blood drip. Don't, that one we don't take for testimony. I said, no, we need to go first test, full blood, second test, full blood, third test, full blood. The Bible says in the testimony of two or three, the, the testimony stands. So they, they came. I think we have already done four or five. So she came, she stood here, she gave testimony. And when she gave testimony, all the things were done, they were out of the window. It was about her, her fasting. I don't know if you get it. You know, the Lord healed me. I was praying, I was fasting. You know, I was doing this. I remember me and my sister. And she finished and she came down and I said, you see, you didn't give a testimony. You spoke about how powerful you healed yourself. I said, we needed to take ourselves off the platform 
and to put Jesus on it. And to acknowledge, firstly, I give thanks. Uh, I was promiscuous. I have sinned. I was sleeping around. By the grace of God, the blood of Jesus reached me. It's not only that. God as well healed me. Then you can tell the process that it took you. And we don't need the daily, your 40 days, 50 days, because the things that we do, they give credit to us than to God. Am I telling somebody? So I listened with a pinch of salt. I was shocked personally. And when she came down, I think that's what made, immediately after that, she packed her bags and she said, I didn't appreciate. I said, listen, I'm your father in the Lord. I need to teach you the truth. The healing has nothing to do with us. I wish every time people stand here, they'll say, oh, Apostle Vincent did this, this. Other churches allow it. It's not here. Because you are not a healer. You have, you have no means whatsoever. It's just the privilege that you became the channel to activate the faith of somebody else for them to receive. Not that we renege that the apostle uh, uh, contributed to it. That's not what we are not saying. What we are saying is that let Jesus remain the central focus of what you do. It has got nothing to do with you. Hallelujah. So the verse here gives us the understanding they were praying, and God says, I will not listen to your prayer. He says, no, receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Why, God, are you not taking my prayers? I'm praying, I'm struggling, finances are not working. Listen to the answer. He says, because the Lord, he says here, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. With whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and the wife by covenant. So for most men, the struggle comes because you fail to understand how God relates with you after you got married. It's very important to treat your spouse, your wife, well. It's very important that you, you treat your husband well so that your things work together. Sometimes things don't work because of your, of your turbulence the insecurity that you have that you create for everybody else. May the Lord have mercy on us. Three things, then I close. Then we take communion. Three things that are important. One, religion, in this regard, from our side, we say we don't do religion. So we say, church going does not produce powerful, success, successful marriage. If it was so, everybody will have a good marriage. Coming to church does not necessarily make you a Christian. Simple. You get it? Can you ask your neighbor, do you get it? The neighbor should say, I got it. Coming, coming, coming through the church door will not make you a Christian. Listening to me doesn't make you a Christian until you take the scriptures and you practice them. Oh, we are married. We married in church. We are Christian. Of course. You're married in church. But that might not necessarily mean you are living a Christian life. They are in church, but their marriage was not working. There are a lot of people who are in church. Their marriage, their marriage is not working. Coming to church does not necessarily produce good marriages. Prayer. There are people who will pray. That doesn't produce good marriage. I know I'm confusing you. Prayer is necessary. But what is the use? 
If I pray but don't engage the person I'm talking to, the person I live with, you are not married to prayer. You are married to a human being. You need, you need to come as you pray, as you seek the face of God. You need to come because prayer will make you humble. You will become humble. And when you are humble, you are going to come and say, my beloved wife, my beloved husband, I think here I've erred. And sometimes it's not because you are right. It's just the attitude and the way you say things. You are all 100%. If we were to go tick in the box, you did this, yes, yes, yes. It's just the attitude and the way you carry yourself. You, you have destroyed the confidence that the other person has. So prayer is important. Most people here do not have happy marriages. Young couples don't have happy marriages. I sit, I talk. They don't. Because they have a false expectation. I've said this many times. Maybe I need to repeat it. Your husband, your wife can't make you happy. If you as a person, you are not content with yourself. We can tickle you as much. We can take you to the beach and tickle you. We can take you to overseas and tickle you. But when we come back, you are still not happy because you are not happy with yourself. Your moods are deceiving you. You have to know your temperament that you are not a happy person. And so fight how you feel about yourself. Come on to somebody. If coming to church was making great marriages, then we will not have pastors divorcing. I don't want to talk about church members. We will not have pastors divorcing. Pastors teach about marriage. I mean, I can quote names. They've been on the newspaper and so forth. These people have dedicated their life to talk about marriages and and I agree that, I mean, it's not the central theme that uh, uh, we, should, we should do marriage symposiums and whatever. Marriage is preserved by saving Jesus Christ. If you are not going to save Jesus, let me tell you, Irish, you are not going to have marriage. You'll have tolerance, bitterness, anger. Yeah, you'll, you'll still be together, two by two. Yeah, two by two. Others say, oh, I wish... They are, they are like the fly that is inside the house that wants to go out. But you close the window. You stay there. You stay there. May the Lord have mercy. You start now. You start to remember till death do us pass. So you want to poison your husband. Your husband wants to hire a hitman because nobody's happy. Imagine somebody. Yeah, we see pastors divorcing. We are not, we are not, we are not immune. Uh, we have seen it. Great pastors. They divorce in the morning and marry in the evening. And guess who they marry? You know, people in the church close to them. Having girlfriends and even sleeping around. We just pray for mercy. May the Lord have mercy. Can you tell your neighbor, coming to church doesn't make a great marriage. Number two. A wrong relationship between husband and wife does block our relationship with God. The second thing that takes away the joy of, of being together, of being in, in, in a true relationship, is because we have bad blood between us. We are fighting consistently. God said, he will not hear the prayers because they have dealt badly with their wife, because they have dealt badly with their spouse. You have been unfaithful with your wife, that's what the scripture says. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7 says, Husband, likewise, 
Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heard together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, my advice, Moenge, is simple. Be careful how you live with your life, with your wife. She holds the key to your happiness. Not with her, but with God. Your prosperity, your ability to move forward. And this is a key. I've seen families and men, when the woman passes on, most of them, their life crashes. Because she became the central focus and the energy that makes things to, to work. May the Lord have mercy upon us. Hallelujah. So if you want your answered prayers, treat your wife well. Can I help you for free? You don't have to have a big house. I don't believe in that. Big house is the main reason why people are fighting. Yeah, it's the main reason. Cars, you try and have a big car. It's the main reason people are fighting. They are not happy. Because they stretch themselves beyond themselves to try to please themselves with the means they don't have. So, you are always chasing after the wind. Every resource that comes, I was talking to when we were teaching on finance, I was saying, learn that when you get paid, you don't have to go and spend your money. Go home for a week, don't touch it. It's, it's my money. You get a 13 check, a bonus, a gain share. Leave the money there. I know people who, when they get promotion, they get a car, whatever, they go and buy, before even they start working, they've already gone to, to look for a car and whatever, because they've got a false self-image. So, as a husband and wife, be content with the things you have. Number three, and the last one, and this is an important one, Patience. time. Marriage is a covenant. A covenant is a theme of the Bible. I think next service, I will push faster to try and spend more time here. The word covenant is translated or is the same word as testament, like a will, a testament. Marriage means to fuse, to make one. In other words, when you have fused this thing, you can't see. I always say, if you mix certain things, they mellow so well, the best part is steel. If you take steel, two portions of steel, and you want to make them one, you put them through fire. They become red hot, up to almost melting. You take a very big hammer, and you hammer them together. You hammer them. Before you know it, the two steels have joined, and they become one steel. You can't separate the other from the other. The other good example of fusing in the days past is something that we thought about, but we haven't done. Uh, when you were making a covenant of marriage, there will be more like a bowel here with salt in it. You come with your salt, I come with my salt. We join them together in one bag. You get it? And then the bowel that is full of salt represents divinity. It represents God. You put it there. You pour in the, in the bigger salt. And they, when they finish, they say to the two of you, please pick up your salt. You have mixed it together. You remember? And then you mix it with... Because marriage is a three-persons affair. It's you, your family, and God. You get it? 
say, pick up your salt. Can you pick it up? It's important. And therefore, they say, since you have merit, you can't come out. You are stuck in it. Can you tell your neighbor, you are stuck in this thing? Now, marriage simply means to fuse, to make one. Matthew 19, verse 5, and he said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The agreement of marriage is between the two. The parents are involved, but you have the agreement is you are leaving them, you're going to form, so the covenant of marriage is formed. So you have an agreement between yourself. We need to understand the foundation and the life of a covenant. The covenant requires commitment. That's number one. Commitment, fully committed. My money is not my money, your money is not your money. My life is not my life. Your life is not your life. But today, we're living in modern times. Mine is mine and yours is ours. You know, everybody wants to keep their own money, but they want to eat somebody's money. Am I saying somebody? Yeah. The agreement, you need to understand that the foundation and the life of marriage is bonded in covenant. The covenant requires commitment. It is a pledge without constraints. You make a pledge and you cannot withdraw it without constraints. It is a life for life. It is a commitment unto death. Literally, that's why in the days past, when you say you are divorcing and all of it, people will come and kill you. They say you have wasted the life of our sister. And that's why if you check, even when the Bible talks about the, the agreement between man and woman, the man pays a hefty fine if he wants to divorce his wife. And some families will not take it. They will tell you, the day you do it, you are dead. So you will live in that marriage in fear. It is a commitment to death. Have you heard the word mortgage? Can you say mortgage? What is a mortgage? Most people here have mortgage. If you have a house, you have a mortgage. You have what? A mortgage. It's a bond. A bond, a mortgage, you know what mortgage means? Do you know? It's a debt pledge. It's a debt pledge. When you sign on a dotted line, you are buying a house for 20 years. In the days past, it was 30 years. It's a life commitment. The intent of the bond is not for you to pay it. It was not intended for people to pay and finish. They the ones who are doing it, they are tricking people because they say it's a dead pledge. If you die, we get our property back. And this is why today, all mortgages have no insurance. They will tell you, you sign a mortgage, you must have what? An insurance if you want to keep the house. I'm talking to people who are not having houses. You understand what I'm talking about? You sign. After you finish signing, they say, if if you don't take additional security, it's a dead pledge. If you die, you can't stay in the house. So there's only one person who benefits. The one, the lender, is the one who benefits. So the dead pledge, marriage is like a mortgage. It's a dead pledge that you gave, I will be with you. So you don't start looking for options. 
methodology. No options. It's not like, oh, I can go out. Since now I got a promotion. Since now I'm working. No, 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 no. There's no, there's no back door. Can you tell anybody? There's no back door here. Doesn't exist. God didn't make the back door. You are in, you are in. You stay. That's why in the New Testament it says, if you divorce, you must not marry. But today we are teaching on marriage and remarriage. Because of the hardness of our hearts. Marriage and what? Remarriage. I know people, I have a friend who has married more than five times. Every two to five years, he gets a new girl. And he's tired with the old, new with the new. It's not a pair of socks. Marriage is not a pair of socks. That gets worn out, and then you throw out, and you marry again. Imagine somebody. Are you listening? If you want to get married, know that is a life commitment. A commitment to the end, regardless of the challenges and difficulties. That's marriage. A marriage is a commitment to the end, regardless of the challenges and difficulties. And this is not cohabitation. It's not it. Most of our children, the reason why you will not get married is maskalisa. Any woman who stays with a man, there is 99.9% that you will never be married. And this guy might not necessarily be your husband. might be a delayer. He's stealing from you. Because you are staying with them. Nobody wants to propose to you. Even though they like you, they love you. You say, oh, this girl. But you have made yourself a wife of somebody. So the guy who wants to marry you say, hey. Possibly the girl is finished by now. Because you are being, you are learning. You are learning. Did you know? Every horse knows his master. The Bible talks about it. It says, our animals know the handle of his master. Now think about it. You are going to marry a husband who has slept with every girl in town. You might not be happy. Because he might be finished. He looks very nice when he's dressed up. But nothing is left. You look at the girl. You look at the girl. She's, she looks great. But she's an emotional wreck. Because she has been abused. 10, 15, 20 boyfriends. I don't know if you get it. It doesn't make sense, I know. But it's a, it makes sense when you are married. You start to realize. I've said this many times that people say, oh, the marriage is not compatible. It's not compatible because you have emotionally exhausted your ability to love and to be loved. You are tolerating now. Since the brother has proposed to you, I just say, hey, hey, let me just have the ring. Let me just have the security. But there's nothing. You are exhausted. You are finished. Tired. Yeah, finished. 20 boyfriends. They are they, they, oh, There's nothing. There's nothing. The man as well is the same. The two of you stay there bitter. Ask, ask people who are married who are not born again. They will tell you the truth. They are bitter. They hate their wife. They hate their husband. But one said, where can I go? I'm old. So they are praying. You start praying that the wife should die. The man is praying that the husband should die. I'm telling you, it's true. It's true. Because somebody's thinking, so and so must die first for me. 
you are enduring, you are just. No, it's what you did before. These things will come to haunt you. May the Lord have mercy. The blood of Jesus, by his blood, you say we are redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm, for, I, I, I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I'm justified by the blood of Jesus. I've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. It's a daily confession. Don't forget it. Because there is condemnation. Like now as I preach this, I'm quoting this. Because we might feel condemned. Our past has no power if we surrender ourselves to God. It only has power when we are in charge and in control. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. When we come to him and we lay down our life, the old is gone and the new has come. Because of time, I can't just continue. Can we bow our heads together so that we can have communion? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise. I pray for this, your people, as we sit under the ministry of your word. Your word, Father, teaches us that as many as received him, you gave them the right to become the children of God. We thank you, Father, your, your word says, Father, to those who believed in his name. We pray this morning that, Lord, you may heal us, heal our past, that, Lord, there's now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I commit this to your people. I pray for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit upon their life. I pray for kindness, O oh Father. May you turn our hearts towards you in the name of 